0: For downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His Gospel. Now, please enjoy this sermon podcast. As we gather this morning, uh, excited to continue in our series, as Joey mentioned, through the book of Numbers into the wild, uh, looking at God's grace in our rebellion. Uh, As we think about the days we're living in, our nation, literally this world is being rocked once again with conversations uh, concerning covid I mean, what's happening? It seems like things were on the up and up. We were, uh, things were beginning to open up, but now there's conversations about what's going to happen in the fall with the schools. Should we go? Should we not go? Should we do this? Should we not do that? Things are beginning to shut down. There are states that are seeing phenomenal numbers as it relates to COVID. And so it's like, not again, just when it seemed like we were getting to a sense of normalcy things are getting crazy. So too was it for Israel in the wilderness. They've been wandering in the desert as we've been looking through the book of Numbers. And deep down on the inside, all they wanted was a sense of normalcy, if you will. But in the wilderness, experience the freedom of what God had done. Their freedom in the wilderness wasn't quite turning out the way they had expected. And the promised land seemed to be so far away. And so crazy enough, in the midst of that, they actually wanted to go back to Egypt. And and, and in the wilderness, they, they, they were blinded, if you will, to the guiding hand of God, who throughout their journey was with them. And their song, which was once filled with praise and thanksgiving, as we saw at the Red Sea, is now turning into a song of complaint and grumbling. grumbling. And in Numbers chapter 17, God is going to do something about this grumbling. And it has everything to do with almonds. And so I want to read Numbers chapter 17, the first 13 verses, and so it'll be on your screen, uh, and if you would, read with me. Numbers chapter 17, 1 to 13. It says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and get from them staffs, one for each father's house, from all their chiefs according to their father's house, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff, and Levi." For thou shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of the meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to their father's house. Twelve staffs, and the staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe Almonds. Verse 9. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony, to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me lest they die. Thus did Moses as the Lord commanded him. So he did. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord, shall die. Are we all to perish? This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, again, we gather with our eyes and attention on you. Help us to see the joy you provide and help us learn this day, I ask, in Christ's name. Amen. And so, once again, we're in the book of Numbers. We're on this journey, which began at the beginning of the book of Numbers in the wilderness of Sinai. We now find ourselves in the wilderness of Paran. And if you remember, last week, Joey said that there was a field set before Israel. And there was two responses, either respond in faith or respond in faith fear. And so the spies come back with a bad report. The people are weeping and they're beginning to second guess everything. This is not how things are supposed to be. And there's a lot of tussle, there's a lot of quarreling in the camp. And if we were invited into the camp at that time period, someone would call to us, grab a microphone and say these words. Let's get ready to grumble, because that is what we've been seeing. In Numbers chapter 11, the people complain the, in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. In Numbers chapter 12, it is Miriam and Aaron fussing about Moses' wife, a Cushite. Last week in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the spies bring back a bad report, and there's complaining after complaining after complaining. And in Numbers chapter 16, it's Korah, it's Dathan, it's Abiram, and it's 250. Numbers chapter 16 says there are 250 well-known leaders, and they are all grumbling. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 3, it says that they assemble themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And they said to him, you've gone too far. In other words, Moses, we don't need you. We don't need Aaron following you. Look, it's where it's gotten us. It's gotten us nowhere. And so they grumble. They're complaining and it's not just complaining, they're complaining about something, they have a, a, an anger to it, and it's muted. That's the essence of grumbling. They're saying, This is not the life we signed up for. So, we look at this passage this morning. The question I ask is, What is at the heart of grumbling? <laughs> Why do we grumble? Interestingly enough, uh, this week, Uh, We received an interesting uh, complaint, if you will, in our apartment. There's this uh, online board that you can go and post your complaints. And I want to read a complaint that uh, the company received. It says, I would really appreciate it if people would stop letting people into this building without knowing who they are. You see, in our apartment, the doors are locked, you need a fob, we need someone to open the door for you. So they're, they're lodging this complaint. We pay a lot of money to have a secure building. And all that goes out the window when you let random people just walk in. Today, somebody let my mother-in-law into the building. And while she isn't dangerous, I didn't want her coming in because she came over unannounced. She was able to walk right up and knock on my door, so I had no choice but to let her in. You have no idea who someone is or what they're capable of, so please, and this was in all caps, please stop letting random people in. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was a, 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 a serious complaint. And so I asked, what's, what's the big deal about grumbling? It seems on the, the surface of it to be not a big deal. No one's hurt by it. No one's robbed by it. It seems to be a victimless crime. In fact, I dare say during th- this, this season of COVID 19, so many of us perhaps have found ourselves grumbling, complaining, fussing. When is this going to open? W- w- when is this going to happen? W- w- what do we do? Uh, Zoom? I got to get on another Zoom call? I, I, can't, I can't do this. I got to wear what? We're grumbling. And so, what's the big deal, friends, when we grumble? I'd like to suggest to you that we position ourselves to miss out on the very essence for why we were created. You see, we were created for God. The confessions of old said we were created for Him and to enjoy Him forever. But when we complain, we're not enjoying God. And we 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 may point our grumbles at people, It was this leader or it was that leader. It was that person or this community. But at the end of the day, our grumbling is really a complaint against the one who's orchestrating life itself. It's a complaint. It's a grumble against God. And so we were created for him. And as long as we're grumbling, we're not enjoying him. And if we're not enjoying him, I dare say our friends, our neighbors have no reason to join us in the enjoyment of God. And so here's Israel, delivered from the bondage of Egypt, and they're now enjoying their freedom. However, their freedom isn't quite going the way they had anticipated. Life is not getting easier, and it's not getting better. So so what's happening in their grumbling? What's happening in our grumbling? When we grumble, we're saying, God, you're not acting soon enough. God, why are you allowing this thing to come my way? It's like we're saying, God, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I need. In fact, your timing is terrible. I'm grumbling because, God, you took something from me, and, and if, you, if, 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 if I were you, I wouldn't have done that. And so that's at the core of our grumbling. It's a complaint against God. You see, when we grumble, we are holding on to something, perhaps, that was taken away. And if that were holding on to something, that we're waiting for. It hasn't happened, and we're grumbling because life isn't quite happening the way we want. But friends, when we grumble, we miss out on enjoying what God is doing. Think about it. Today, we we grumble over the restrictions Today, we grumble over what we cannot do. And in grumbling, we're missing out on what God is providing, even in the restrictions. Maybe there's freedom. Maybe there is joy in slowing our pace of life today. Maybe in grumbling about, man, we can't go out, we can't do this. Maybe there's joy in spending time with family. You see, Israel was grumbling about the very thing they had been praying for. God, help. God, help. God, help. And he does, and now they're complaining. Some of us, we murmur and we grumble. In fact, there may be, shh, don't tell anyone, there may be someone sitting right next to you. that That's all they do. And so if you agree with me, just blink, and I'll see that. Because it seems like that's the air we breathe. We grumble, we grumble we grumble. And so at the core of our grumbling is an impatience with God. And that leads to impatience with others. Now again, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, so, so we want to tackle grumbling. We want to get to the core of it. We want to see God's solution for it. But what I'm not saying is be silent when you see injustice. Be silent when you see wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, when, when you see something that's wrong, how you approach it determines whether or not you're grumbling. If you're grumbling, if your agitation at a wrong you see, if your criticism leads you into more despair, if it leads you away from God and away from people, that's what I'm talking about. But if your criticism is actually a catalyst for change, if it's drawing you to people and it's drawing you to God, praise the Lord. That, that's good. But the grumbling that Israel is doing in this wilderness and the, gr- the grumbling that so many of us do actually pushes us away from God. And so if you do see a wrong, to protect yourself from grumbling, go to that person and directly talk to them about your frustration we begin to grumble when we take that frustration, and instead of talking to that person, we talk to everybody else about it, and we do it in anger. And so we see what grumbling is. We, we, we perhaps see the core or what's at the heart of grumbling. What, what's the solution? How, how do we find a solution to grumbling? I dare say as we're grumbling, it's like this cry for, man, I want to get back to how things used to be. I want to get a sense of normalcy. And what if the agitation we see, like we'll see with Israel in the wilderness, isn't a push for us to go back to what was normal? What if it's a way that God is sanctifying, sanctifying us to reorient us to a new normal? You'll see that in Numbers chapter 17. You see it in verse 5, where God says, Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. You see it in verse 10, That you may make an end of their grumbling against me, lest they die. So what's the solution? God, what are you up to? You see, God tells Moses that get the 12 tribes together, and each of them should bring their rod, bring their staff, bring a stick, write their names on it. And for for the, the tribe of Levi, write Aaron's name on it. And this is what I'm going to do is when you write their names, one of these staffs, bring it to the testimony or the Ark of the covenant, and one of these staffs will sprout. And the one that sprouts, that's the tribe I've chosen. Because the chief complaint of that day is, why does Aaron get to wear all the cool clothes? Why is Aaron the high priest? Why why can't we be the high priest? Read Numbers chapter 16. We're all holy. And so God is going to say, here's how you know who I've chosen. Because Israel didn't like to be told what to do by other people. And and if truth be told, if you're anything like me, you don't like to be told what to do. Man, today, I got to be told when to go shopping, how to shop, what to wear when I shop, how close to stand to somebody. I I don't like when someone's telling me what to do. In essence, I'm a grumbler. And so the Lord Says, I'm going to reveal my will, a reorientation to what is normal by causing the staff of the tribe that he chooses to sprout. This would be quite the miracle for something that is dead to make it alive. And so the tribes did so, and the next morning they return, and Aaron's staff is the one that. Blossoms, it's the one that buds. And so this apparently dead stick now showed signs of life, and it produced almonds. I'm not a fan of this particular candy, but almond joy, that's what's happening in Numbers chapter 17. Friends, what is the sign that winter is over and spring is on the way? Well, if you're in Paxitoni, Pennsylvania, It's that groundhog. He's the sign that winter is over. If you're in the DMV in the D.C. area, it's the cherry blossoms. When they blossom, winter is over. For the Hebrews, it was almonds. When the almonds blossom, it was a signal that winter was over. In fact, you read Scripture, Jeremiah, God, is awakening him to the reality of what God was going to do with his people. And in, in his calling, God says, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I, I see an almond tree. God says, exactly. Because Jeremiah understood that the almond tree was the first sign that spring was on its way. When the almond tree blossomed, it was the promise of spring being fulfilled. The almond tree was the first tree to blossom. It was, its flowers signaled the end of winter and the emergence of new life. The Hebrews would call the almond tree the waking tree or the watching tree because while everything like dormant in winter, the almond was keeping watch, ready to signal new life, new life, good news, good news. Life has come. So God showed Jeremiah the almond tree to teach him that winter was ending. Friends, this is the good news we need to be reminded of as we journey in the wilderness. This is the truth we need to be reminded of when we grumble. And that truth is just, the story is not over. The very things that we're frustrated about, that's not the end of the story. You see, things weren't quite panning out the way Israel had anticipated. And so there's two options. I'm going to work my tail off to get this thing right. Read Numbers chapter 16. That's what Korah did. Earth opens up. Bad decision. Pride will destroy us. The the other option is to to give up. It's like, I'm the only one that sees, right? I'm I'm full of despair. And this is the cry of the people. In Numbers chapter 17, 12 to 13, it says, the people of Israel said to Moses, behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Are we all to perish? That is despair. When we grumble and there's no solution in sight, That's what I cry out. Am I to perish? And so the almond tree answers that question when we are in despair. And God is saying, look, guys, I've mapped this out. I'm in control. Your discomfort, I acknowledge that. But look, you're on a journey to experience the fullness of what I've done. And so the thing we must learn to do in the wilderness, the thing we must learn to do is not grumble, grumble but to trust in him, to trust in his definition of normal, not our way, but his. You see, our dissatisfactions, our impatience, our grumblings reveal to us our need for an answer, our need for something greater. And so when you read Numbers chapter 17, you see 12 sticks. And what do these 12 sticks have in common? They're all dead. Why are they dead? Because these are sticks stripped, detached from their source of life, and they're dead, unable to produce life. But one dead stick produces life, and that stick is the rod of Aaron because it is now attached to God. The dead stick now produces life, produces fruit, because it is now connected to God, anytime Israel journeyed in the wilderness, that rod was a reminder that winter is not the definition of their life, that there was an emergence of a new life that was found in him. Friends, 2,000 years ago, there was another dead stick, and on that stick was a savior, and he was dying. And like everyone else, like the 12 sticks gathered around, he died. But guess what? He didn't stay dead. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so this risen Savior has the answer for all of our grumbling and not just an answer. He has an invitation. For Jesus would say in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches, you and me, and it's all good. And so friends, as we journey in this wilderness, as we face frustrations, as we complain, what do we do? I'd like to give you three things to do. One of the practices that I, I, I was taught is to journal. And so anytime you find yourself in frustration, anytime you find yourself on the verge of complaining. Here's what one pastor says, do journal and ask these, ask these three questions. What do you miss? What don't you miss? And what do you enjoy? Savannah, is your light in Israel? What do I miss about Egypt? Maybe it was the food. Maybe it was the sirloin steak. Maybe it was the, 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 the voluptuous grapes. And in this desert, not fun. So, so write down what you miss. But then write down what you don't miss. So, so even for us, like restrictions, stay at home, what do I miss? I miss being able to go out when I want, how I want, with whoever I want. So you jot that down. What don't you miss? Israel, I don't miss, I don't miss life in Egypt. It was, it was hard. We, we were forced to do work. And maybe we write down what don't I miss. I don't miss the busyness of life prior to COVID. And lastly, you write down what you enjoy. And so for Israel, I, I enjoy seeing the tabernacle. And maybe for us, maybe for, at least for me, I enjoy just being around family. So you write those three things down. What do I miss? What don't I miss? What do, what do I enjoy? And offer that to God as a prayer. And I say, Lord, in my frustration, speak life. And in so doing, may the truth of what Paul says in Philippians two fourteen. Be our truth, where it says we ought to do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He is our answer. Give it all to him. This is our prayer. I pray this in Christ. Now let's pray together. Our Father, what a journey it is. Life in the wilderness. Lord, there's times where as we face life, there's things we would wish would happen, and when it doesn't happen, we grumble. We feel like it's over. We feel like there's no hope. We find ourselves in despair. But what I love about this passage is even the things that look dead, you're able to bring life. A dead stick produces fruit. And so, Lord, may our lives produce fruit even in this wilderness. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.